All gas, no brake. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast, and I'm your host, John June, and it's a solo pod tonight as Frank and his lovely wife, Madison, celebrate their sixth year wedding anniversary, so congratulations to them. Your boy's going to be here holding it down on a solo live, too, at that, right? So uh, definitely, um, you know, I got a little pep in my step today. Uh, I, I don't I don't drink caffeine, so I'm I don't know. I can't even blame it on that. You know, the Jets lost 54 to 13, uh, a, a thrashing there of our beloved New York Jets. Um, unfortunately, we have to break down that game as it as it was. So, I mean, the biggest storyline out of that is Zach Wilson ends up getting injured, uh, injuring his knee. Looks like a PCL injury. Looks like it'll be a two to four week injury potentially. So that kind of sucks there, obviously, for sure. But, uh, you know, we have to see how this, you know, how how this is going to impact, you know, how long he'll be out potentially. And then how obviously it could impact the rest of his season here with the, um, you know, with the New York Jets. Uh, You know, hopefully it's not something that lingers and hopefully it's not something that he rushes back from, um, you know, so we'll have to see how this plays out. But he he was 6 of 10 to start, uh, 51, 51 yards, uh, not obviously nothing great, nothing crazy. I didn't like the game plan to start, and this has been a theme here with Matt LaFleur, um, who has been – who is dubbed like basically a, a – offensive guru before ever calling a play for the New York Jets. Uh, I mean, some of that, uh, you know, I, I was guilty of some of that as well. You know, we, we talked about having Mike LaFleur, who was this assistant with Kyle Shanahan and his brother is Mike LaFleur. And, oh, sorry, I keep saying Matt. It's Mike LaFleur, who's the offensive coordinator, but, Mike LaFleur, you know, he's been dubbed this offensive guru, but actually hadn't done anything. Hadn't called plays since I think it was high school or some D3 school or something, which that's not the point. But out of the bye week, you've got two weeks to prepare for the New England Patriots, and that's 13 points is what you're able to muster up, right? Like the Jets continue this streak of not being able to score in the first quarter. They've been outscored 44 to nothing in the first quarter of games just this season alone. Like, that's, there's got to be some, like, how do you go into the the meeting rooms every week in the practice field, and that's the result that you get every Sunday, every single Sunday? Like, honestly, and I had to ask myself at points, like, how is this any different than last year with Adam Gase? And I and I hate to even bring that up, right? And I hate to even say that, but like, and I don't I don't think I'm overreacting, right? Like they got blown out 54 to 13 against the New England team. 
that, let's be honest, is not all that good. Right? They were two and four coming into this game. Right? Like, there's no excuse here for the result that we saw. I mean, this game wasn't even a game. I mean, it was 14-0 in the first quarter, 17-0. Like, once it was 17-0, you pretty much knew, like, all right, well, this, you know, what what kind of day is that going to have? Right? Like, that's the point of the game that we were at, right? Like, this wasn't a game. And, again, the coaching staff, like, I'm I'm past the point now, right, where I'm going to give this coaching staff, I'm going to give this even this front office, and we'll get to Joe Douglas in a little bit, but, like, I'm past the point of giving them the benefit of the doubt. They haven't earned that. They've done nothing to earn that, right? Like you can't come out six consecutive games in a row and not be able to score in the first quarter, right? Like the second half late starts, like everyone talks about, oh, but they do so well in the second half. Like that is not good enough, clearly. You have to play two halves of football. You got to be able to put it together. And if you're not able to play in the first half, and, and but you're able to play in the second half, that comes down to coaching. Like, you have to find something different. Like, you have to be able to get in touch with your players and understand, like, okay, this is what is what is getting in our way. What is stopping us from achieving our goals? It's And, again, it's frustrating. Right, like 299 total yards of offense, three turnovers, five penalties. You're seven of 13 on third down. It's horrendous. I mean, and the defense, which we thought was, you know, our guy Frank, you know, was was giving them a whole lot of love prior to this game. Where were they at? You know, and, and I mean, you have to wonder CJ Mosley being out, you know, what did that have to, you know, what impact did that have on the defense as a whole, right? You know, that you saw that the Patriots almost right away was just up the gut, just runs up the gut, you know, and, and, and CJ Mosley's the quarterback there. So, you know, maybe, maybe you give them the, be- the benefit of the doubt for that. And I'm just not, I'm again, I'm not talking about coaching, I'm just talking about the defense as a whole. But injuries happen, right? Like you, ha- like next man up, it- it's gonna happen. I don't want to hear all these excuses about oh, but this guy's not playing, and this guy, and this guy. Like I get it, but stuff happens. It's the NFL, right? Like you know, I watch a team like the Detro- the Detroit Lions, right? Like they don't they have almost the same excuses that the Jets have, but they don't go out there and and you know get embarrassed every Sunday. You know, they they don't coach scared, like, oh, hope we don't lose by 70 today. Well, you lost by 40, by 41 points or 43 points. That's that's not good enough. Right? Like, so the Detroit Lions, I watch a team like them, they come out, score a touchdown on their opening drive, kick an onside kick, recover that. They go for two fake punts in the game. Like, this is a team that's trying to win a football game. The Jets always just barely try. They almost try to win a football game. And that's not what that's not what we 
expected. That's not definitely not what I expected coming into this year. I was 100% thinking that the, the way Robert Sala is, the competitive nature, the competitive spirit that he has, that he wouldn't coach a team that lacks that competitive spirit, that competitive nature. Thinking he wouldn't coach that, you know, that he wouldn't allow that to happen, right? Because it's either you coach it or you allow it to happen. And to me, it's seeming like all gas, no break is just a mantra. It's just stuff that you put on the on the walls. Right. Like and I and look, Robert Sala, he's been a, he's been a great guy. But again, being a great guy does not mean that you deserve to be the, to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to coaching. Like Todd Bowles was a great guy. But Todd Bowles couldn't get his teams to play for him every Sunday. And and it's not even an effort thing, really, when I watch them. It's just a, it's just a constant lack of execution. <laughs> like, that is annoying as a fan to watch, right? Just a constant lack of execution. Like, you go to practice every Sunday. You're in film sessions. You're going through stuff. You're going over stuff. I get it. This youngest team in the league. But coming out of the bye, and that's the performance that you put up, it's just almost – it's just no excuse. There's no excuse for that. You know, we, you know, we we dubbed this. Now we have liftoff and, and, and all that and, you know, thinking times are going to get better. And, you know, I still preach patience. You know, I, I understand what we – you know, what Jet fans, what we've been through and, and – and everything, and I get it. But there's a certain level of competency that you expect, right? Like, there's a certain level of, like, I want to see the signs that, hey, this is a competent, you know, this, they might not have the talent, but the decision-making with the coaching staff, the development of players, like, that's there. And, you know, you get some of that, right? Like, you know, you look at this young secondary, how they played the corners. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. But we got to see more, right, especially on the offensive side of the ball because that that side of the ball looks like a complete mess. Right, like f- even when, you know, Zach Wilson, when he was healthy, not all his struggles were entirely on him, but he was responsible for some, right? He was responsible for a good amount. Like decision making, not turning the ball over, throwing to open receivers, hitting guys when they're open, right? Like he, there was, there's obviously things that he has to work on, and he's a rookie, and you expect that. But the offensive line, it's been a mess for most of the year, especially the the center and the right guard spot. The wide receivers, like whether you. You know, it's been trying to find the right combination of guys or giving this guy too much playing time or not enough playing time or just the personnel usage in general, like even with the tight ends with like Ryan Griffin, who like Ryan Griffin, like, you know, I know I know Greg, uh, I know Frank went on a, a rant last week about Nathan Shepard. But Ryan Griffin is like the like. When you talk about a tight end that is averaging like five yards a catch, he's got a 60-something, 60, less than 66% catch rate. 
Like, what are you do? Like, what are you basically good for? You've got the average. You've got the the yards. Your yards per reception are like a fullback, but your catch rate is like a receiver who's trying to catch it fifteen yards down the field. Like, what are you good for? So, you know, when you like giving that guy snaps as opposed to Denzel Mims, right? Like things like that just irk me. And again, coaching, right? Like Mike LaFleur and stat and company don't want to play Denzel Mims, right? But your offense doesn't work with like without Denzel Mims. And I'm not saying that it does work with them, but like, it's not like you're this offensive guru, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, where you're like, no, you're going to learn my system before you you play it. Like, your system doesn't work, bro. <laughs> so, like, and I'm again, I'm hoping that this is the, the, I'm hoping that this is the product of a rookie offensive coordinator calling plays with a rookie head or, you know, a rookie quarterback playing under a rookie head coach. Like, I hope that that's what this is. I really do. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm going on this rant, but I got, I got a lot in me. I have, I got to get it off my chest, you know? So, uh, you know, let's talk about some of the good, right? Some of the good from the game. Cause there wasn't a lot, but some of the good, um, you know, Michael Carter finally got the, you know, finally got some some work here. Uh, it was 11 carries, I believe, nine targets. So that's 20 touches, uh, 20 touch day for Michael Carter. I mean, a lot of that stuff, you know, some of those dump offs were coming in garbage time a little bit there. But for the most part, you know, Michael Carter was the lead back there. Um, we saw Elijah Moore score his first NFL touchdown on a on an end around there. Um Again, I thought that was a good play design by Michael Floor. I thought that that was, um, you know, a great play by Elijah Moore because uh, again, it looks like he's probably when you look at when you watch it initially, it looks like he might not score, but then he uh, is able to 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 add that second gear and make a you know make a cut up the field and get in the end zone for a touchdown there. So, uh, you know, I, I would like to see more of that. Um, no pun intended, but definitely would like to see Elijah Moore get more involved in this offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, not much good when you give up 54 points. I, I like I, I don't think I could say anybody was really good on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, so we'll just we'll just hold that there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to talk about Joe Douglas right now because. You know, he's done great with the draft picks, accumulation of draft picks, all the trades that he's made, you know, the Jamal Adams trade, which looks like right now it's going to be a home run. The Sam Darnold trade, you know, which Sam Darnold getting benched the other day mid-game, and now all these rumors of Carolina trying to get Deshaun Watson, like that's looking like a, a really good deal right now too. Um you know, the Leonard Williams trade, the fact that you were able to, to, to get a third, a three and a five there for Leonard Williams, the fact that you were able to take it a four for Christopher Herndon, um, you know, those trades are all really good trades. But you got to hit on those draft picks and 
you got to hit on your free agency acquisitions. Connor McGovern, free agency acquisition, ain't it, bro. He's not it. Uh, Frank's been saying it for basically months now. Connor McGovern, just not it. Greg Van Roan, nice guy, good team leader, but again, a nice nice guy is not a prerequisite for being a good football player. Good leader is not necessarily a prerequisite for being a good football player. Greg Van Roan, you ain't it, bro. So that's on Joe Douglas, right? Because when you talked about surrounding whoever quarterback is here, because you said it about Sam Darnold, you said it about Zach Wilson, protection and playmakers. Well, oh, and you talk and you talk about being an offensive line guy and, and, and all this. And you two you said by your actions, right? You said it twice. You thought Connor McGovern and Greg Van Roten were good enough to be starters on this offensive line. Right? Because you, you you said that when you went and you acquired them in, in free agency. And then you said it again in this draft class when you had all this capital to recoup those picks to replace one of those two guys and you didn't do it. So you thought that they were good enough to protect your biggest investment this day and these days in Zach Wilson. Right? So figure it out, bro. I just it's it's frustrating to watch. And like then you know the backup quarterback situation. Right? Like you guys thought that you spent all draft and summer and pre you know preseason and, and training camp and whatnot talking about how you didn't need to upgrade the backup quarterback spot. You had Mike White and I forget the other dude's name. I I don't I don't even don't even remember his name. Oh uh James Morgan. You have Mike White and James Morgan in here. You know, they're competing for the number two spot. And you spend all summer making it, uh, you know, making it sweeping under the rug as if it's not a big deal. And then you, on at the last minute, decide, oh, okay, well, we're going to get Josh Johnson in here. Add him to your practice squad. And then when Zach Wilson gets hurt, right, what did Robert Sala say? Well, the difference between the back, the the backup, you know, you know, the the that drop off is is so great that, you know, it doesn't really matter who you who you put back there. It doesn't really increase your chances of winning all that much. But then you go out and you felt it so necessary after the Zach Wilson injury, to go trade a sixth round pick. That can become a fifth round pick for Joe Flacco. Like, I don't know which one is worse. The fact that you felt the need to go trade for Joe Flacco or that you had, you had, or the fact that you traded for Joe Flacco. Like, I don't know which one is worse. Like, why wouldn't you keep, you know, if you, even if you didn't want Mike White to start, like Josh Johnson is a veteran. He's been in your camp. He knows your system. Right, you probably again. It's Josh Johnson. I'm not going to go crazy here, but give me a quarterback with some mobility, right? Like 
makes it a little bit more volatile, makes it, you know, increases my chances that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe he can run for an extra first down or maybe he he might break out of something and and, you know, throw a guy open or something. Right. Like, don't don't give me Joe Flacco. Right. And then on top of that, that same six round pick that you went and you traded to Philadelphia for Joe Flacco. You go out and you you could have just made that same trade and gone out and gotten Gardner Minshew. So, again, not entirely sure what the thought process is there. You know, is he coming in to back up Mike White? If that's the case, I still don't get it, right? Like, is what's the point of ensuring – the backup to the backup. So, like, when Zach Wilson is healthy, you're going to keep all three of these guys? Are you going to revert Mike White to the practice squad after he started as your backup quarterback for three or four games? Maybe. But it's just, again, just looks like bad process to me. So, Is there something else I wanted to talk about on that side? I don't think – I think I'm done with Joe Douglas on that front. But we got to see it from you, Joe. You got to hit on a free agent or two. You got to make sure, like, the – you know, your draft picks, right? Like, that first draft can't – like, they're not playing. Makai Becton not playing. Denzel Mims not playing. Ashton Davis just came back. Well, Michael P. Ryan – I thought he was very important to this offense, according to Robert Sala, right? Like, where's that guy? You got to have, you know, Bryce Hall's been very good. Makai Becton's very good when he's on the field. Michael Carter's been productive. Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter, the other Michael Carter, Michael Carter II, I mean. So... Like, if we get two top 10 picks this year because of the the Seattle situation, like, you got to hit on those top 10 picks. <sighs> With that being said, though, we will discuss this next game as the New York Jets host the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals first place in the NFC North. Cincinnati Bengals, where they are 10 and a half point underdogs at home. And that line is provided to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And this segment is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed, though. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download 
the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Just bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, let's continue breaking down this game here. As I mentioned, the Cincinnati Bengals are traveling to MetLife to take on our New York Jets. And it's a little bit, uh, again, it's it's bittersweet here because you want to continue to watch this team uh, because it's a first-year program and a first-year head coaching. And again, Robert Sala himself said, you, you don't really know, uh, you're not going to really, like, you're not going to really know what kind of team you have until you have to deal with adversity. This team has dealt with a bit of adversity, and they get even more adversity here, losing Zach Wilson for, again, two to four weeks here with what looks like a PCL injury. So how do they handle this adversity here? How do they handle being 10.5-point underdogs at home with a backup quarterback? Again, do they play like a team that doesn't want to lose by 60? Or are they going to play like a team that wants to actually win a football game? Because hopefully they play like the latter, and that will make watching them on Sunday enjoyable. Because that's what I'm in this for. I love the New York Jets, but you gotta you gotta give me something to watch, man. I'm not gonna sit here and watch the Adam Gase brand of football. Like it doesn't cut it for me. So, what are we gonna get? I'm hoping we get a competitive brand of football. Ten and a half points. Jets ain't earning my benefit of the doubt. Again, it's week. We're going on a week eight. Still relatively early. They could still get better, but I'm gonna have to see it from them. I don't. I'm not having them covering this spread. I think the total is. Uh, hold on, pull it up. Believe the total here is 46 and a half, 47 and a half. Um, and most of those, oh, 43 actually. So most of that coming from obviously the Cincinnati side with them being 10 and a half point favorites there. So I'm going to take the under there, uh, but I will take the Cincinnati Bengals to cover here. Um, and then in terms of a lock here, I uh, haven't thought about this all too much. Uh, yes, give me Buffalo. Give me Buffalo over the Miami Dolphins with the 14 points. Some some in division beef. Uh, I'm down. Um, Buffalo 
is the king of the AFC East. And so until proven otherwise, that will be the 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 favorite that I go with there to win this division. So one day, one day it will be us. Just not today. Not tomorrow. Not in 2021. No, definitely not 2022 either. But 2023, maybe? We'll see. Who knows? Frank was already talking about draft prospects last week. I'm not quite there yet. But I maybe I will be soon. I don't want to get too excited because every time I get too excited about our draft picks and our draft slots, well, you know what happens, right? They just, the Jets end up winning, right? So, and this time we also have Seattle to think, right? They're on a little bit of a losing streak now. Could end up with some good draft capital here. But until next time, y'all, love you, appreciate you. Catch y'all next week. Hopefully we'll get back on the schedule Tuesday, 7 p.m. Hopefully I'll have my guy Frank on this side of me. Until next time, y'all.